And this goes back to the whole mental toughness thing. When we start seeing somebody as doing stuff to us and we perceive it as, man, why is he that way? Or why is she doing that or saying that? And instead look at ourselves and what's another way that I could frame this that would be more useful for me and serve me better and serve that other person better. It makes a huge difference in, and so that goes back to when we have that conversation with ourselves, whether we just think about it or write it out, it serves to remind us why, why this person is important. Why do they matter? And so when we interact with them, this was the thing I loved about Dan. There are two aspects of this appreciation and increase in value. One of them is in our own minds, mm -hmm. we've increased the value of the person. But when we interact with them in a way that is so respectful and elevates them, guess what? It increases their own perception of their own value. And so they feel elevated too. Most of us never learned how to train our brains, which is why most of us needlessly settle, struggle, and worse, suffer. My name is Chris Doris, and I want to make brain training mainstream. This is my series, Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm interviewing badasses from all walks of life on what mental toughness means to them and their unique approaches to strengthening their minds. Hey folks, welcome back to Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness. I'm your host, Chris Doris, and our guest today is named Meredith Bell. Meredith is uh, the president and co-founder of a company called Performance Support Systems. It's a global software company. Uh, since 1994, she's helped develop brain-based online assessment and development tools that make long-term improvements in leader and team performance. And she's also the host of the popular weekly Strong for Performance podcast, which I was recently a guest on. She has published, this year she's published two books. Very impressive. This is one of them. We'll get, in, I'll, I'll, we'll get into it later. And the other one I don't have because it just came out like today. Uh, so she's a prolific author as well. She's contributed to another book. I've written a chapter in here, which we'll hopefully, we will discuss. Um, you know what? If you don't need to be in a leadership position uh, in order to benefit from the conversation we're about to have, but um, if you are a leader, I have a very strong suspicion that this is going to be some really cool juice for you. Uh, although I've only known Meredith for a very brief period of time, just several months, uh, we've had a handful of conversations, and I'll tell you what, I'm, uh, she's making me a better coach, and she's helping me coach leaders in ways that I haven't even entertained before. Like, I mean, really, some really original, brilliant ideas. And I can't wait to get into them with her. So she's here waiting for us. Let's go find her, Meredith. Where are you? And there she is, Meredith Bell. How are you, my friend? Oh, I am fabulous. I'm so excited to be here with you, Chris. Oh, I'm so glad. I've been looking very, very forward to this. And uh, I want to I want to start with by saying thank you because you sent me recently sent me some goodies that we're going to be discussing. But um, the first thing that I want to acknowledge is this beautiful card that you sent me with the goodies that you sent, and the cover of it says, "The word of encouragement." Sorry, I'll start that over. The word of encouragement you give today can live in another person's heart forever, and that's you. That's your quote. Yes, it is. I love that. It reminds me of something I read in this book, which is a book that has multiple authors. You are the contributor, the creator of chapter number three in the book, Purpose, Passion, and Profit. Uh, the story that you mentioned about a woman, do you know what I'm referring to? Where she said, yeah. So she, afterwards, immediately afterwards, she's like, oh my God, I feel so heard and understood. And then like months and months and months later, she's like, I think about you all the time. You have no idea of the impact that that conversation made. Right? Yes. Yeah, yes. that's beautiful. I know that one well. Of course. <laughs> and what's fun is she and I have become really good friends and colleagues. And every time we talk, I'm able to get into that listening mode with her and reflect back some things that are valuable to her. Uh, yes. And okay. So it's, it's that, you know, it's not a one time thing, it's that whole attitude of, 
not just how can I encourage this person, you know, but how can I help them feel valued, important, respected, because it is such a rare thing. I'll, I'll just say up front, the, one of the bottom lines for our discussion today is if a person can simply do that one thing, ask themselves before any conversation, how can I really be present with this person mm. today? In mm. fact, you know, I mean, Steve Chandler's been yeah. your coach. My favorite quote ever, I think, I know where it is. to this whole topic, yeah, is straight out of the book he and Rich Litvin wrote together, The Prosperous Coach, yeah. which is how can I serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? Let's say that again. How can I serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? And, there, and I said in the book, you know, that, that sentence just jumped off the page for me yeah. because I've, I've always believed in my professional life, being a, 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 you know, a good listener is important. But it's this idea of, how can I listen in a way that has that impact? And I realized that many of the, especially sales conversations, someone that, you know, could be a prospect or a client at some point, if I was preoccupied with myself and how I came across and looking to have an opportunity to, you know, introduce one of our products, I felt awkward and the conversation didn't go as well. When I started letting go of that and just being present with this human being in front of me and paying attention to what they were saying, what they weren't saying, asking questions, and even reflecting back things that I thought I was hearing, the ability to bond quickly and easily mm. happened so fast because they could sense that sincere desire Right. to really get to know who they were and what they were dealing with, whether it was an issue or just, you know, where they were at that moment. And, and let me just tell you, because you know, I was a guest on your podcast recently and, um, and, and, and in our communication since we've met each other, which isn't that long ago, it is, you make that abundantly clear. You, you have mastered that. And I can say that because I experienced that. And I, wanna, and I wanna talk a lot more with you about the that, okay, that, that, I'm just, that, we're, that we're talking about right now, that I experienced from you, that you obviously have mastered, that you've taken so seriously and practiced. And I wanna break it down and talk about a couple things, which is, what are we even talking about? Uh, what is the, the, the feeling the person has? And, and then, how, the how, the mechanics of how you do that as a leader. But before we do, I've gotten ahead of myself here because I wanted to announce that this is a first of all the episodes I've done where I've actually decided in advance of it what the title of it is because typically I, I wait till the end, but I already know and we discussed it. Uh, the title of this episode is The Loving Service Side of Mental Toughness. The now, I came up with the service side of mental toughness, and you said, well, maybe we can make it the loving service side of mental toughness. I have a quiz. I'm going to quiz you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what is your purpose statement? My purpose is to serve and love profoundly so others appreciate their value and maximize it. So just so everyone knows, this that was not act or what, what do you call it? I didn't tell you I was going to do that. Well, what's the hell? Is no, that saying? <laughs> I was not prepared. Pre <laughs> it was not pre-planned. That was a legitimate test. Yeah, because that's written. It's one in, somewhere in here. Mm -hmm. One of these. Yeah, and I think that that's. Can you can you please repeat that for us? Sure. My purpose is to serve and love profoundly, so others appreciate their value and maximize it. Yeah, now see, that's, <laughs> that is service. I mean, that is leadership, really. I mean, I, I, I would say that's a great definition of leadership. 
you know, or, 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 or a great def and a great definition of uh, top shelf coaching. Yes. Right. Something you mentioned in, in your chapter in here, uh, in, in the book, Purpose, Passion, and Profit, is the, um, the construct of appreciation specific to like an investment, right? Like good investments appreciate in value. They get more valuable, right? They pay off more. And, and you are, you're, you're talking about it in your chapter uh, about applying that same definition of appreciation to another resource, the human one, right? Yes. So that, like, so the, so, so I want you to elaborate on this, um, like what that means. It doesn't mean like, you know, oh, I appreciate you. No, it's like you're mm -hmm. appreciating. Yes. So uh, and this was, was one of these things that struck me when I was listening to another podcast sometime back between uh, a conversation between Dan Sullivan and Joe Polish. And Dan Sullivan is the one that kind of introduced this idea of seeing how somebody's value can appreciate over time. And uh, in particular, he gave an example of before sitting down to talk with someone, he would make a list of the things he appreciated about that person to bring to mind all the the reasons that this person was valuable to him. Now, when the person came in to meet with him, he didn't talk about any of that. It was simply a way for him to get ready oh my in God. his mind, the attitude of that. And I can tell you how I actually applied that a few years ago. <clears throat> there was somebody that I was um, working informally with. It wasn't a formal partnership, but it was, we were, we were coordinating and, and working on some projects together. And, and this person was just really annoying me. <laughs> he would interrupt me. You know, he would, to me, was being somewhat disrespectful in, in just how he would talk about some things. And I thought, man, this is starting to really bug me. I need to address it. And so I, I gave myself a day to, you know, kind of sleep on it. <clears throat> And the next morning, I remembered this appreciation exercise. And so I started writing down all the things I valued about this relationship. Mm -hmm. And when I spoke to him that day, I shocked the heck out of him because I said, I, in, in this case, I decided I was going to be overt. I said, I just want to start off by telling you the things I appreciate about you. He said, really? I said, yeah. And I started listing them because I thought, you know, I haven't said I like this about you, but it really helped me in my attitude with hmm. viewing him in a balanced way. And, and I think this is where we can get ourselves into trouble. And this goes back to the whole mental toughness thing. When we start seeing somebody as doing stuff to us, and we perceive it as, man, why is he that way? Or why is she doing that or saying that? And instead, look at ourselves. And what's another way that I could frame this that would be more useful for me and serve me better and serve that other person better? It makes a huge difference. In, and so that goes back to... When we have that conversation with ourselves, whether we just think about it or write it out, it serves to remind us why, why this person is important. Why do they matter? And so when we interact with them, this was the thing I loved about Dan. There are two aspects of this appreciation and increase in value. One of them is in our own minds, mm -hmm. we've increased the value of the person. But when we interact with them in a way that is so respectful and elevates them, guess what? It increases their own perception of their own value. And so they feel elevated too. That's amazing. 
You know, that is so profound. Uh, so it's like, I can't think of an analogy, but maybe we don't need one. It's, it's just taking the time, all right, so, so a leader, taking the time, well, maybe it's not just limited to any leader, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep it in that context for now. Um, going to the extra effort of like pre-gaming, right? Um, that, that's what it is, that's the analogy. So when I used, that's a perfect analogy. So when I used to work with athletes, one of, the pro, one of the tools that we really, really spent a good amount of time in mastering is the pregame routine. So, you, you, so what's a pregame? A pregame is the ritual that you execute prior to the uh, beginning of the performance to, get, to uh, put yourself into the perfect frame of mind that will maximize the probability of excellence occurring. Yes. Right? So, so you're, uh, like you're describing a pregame, mm-hmm. right? Right? Like a person going to the effort uh, specifically of getting into, and it's not even about being kind, is it? Is it? It's just like that seems to me that's, like that's a that's symptom like of it. That's like a side effect of it. Yeah, right, right. That's what I was going to say. It's like, yeah, you it. don't say, oh, I'm going to be kind to this person. It happens because of how you're thinking about them. And, and, and interestingly, from a, what I call a divinely selfish perspective, you're really driven, your, your incentive to do this is to the co-creation of excellence, results, mm-hmm. good outcomes, which could be revenue, whatever, it could be anything. This is so true also, Chris, when we're talking about a spouse, okay. you know, or any family member yeah, sure. that we're in content, con- contact with on a continuous you know or regular basis Mm -hmm. we can find things that annoy us about what they say or what they do and yet if we can start visualizing ourselves appreciating why we chose them you know why they're a part of our lives and the thing the joy they do bring to us it just helps to put things in perspective wow and you know what else? The response that happens. See, people yes. sense this. Yes. You know this right. yourself. You just, you know, gave me this compliment early on. You can sense when someone is genuinely interested yeah. in, in who you are. Yeah. You can't fake that. People pick up on these things. Right. Yeah, that's vibes. It's vibes. I, I, I love talking about vibes. So what, what we're doing in, in the pregame is you're vibing up specifically with respect to the other person and what you really legitimately appreciate about them. And you're not even necessarily, well, I guess in the context of like a love relationship, the incentive isn't to make money. <laughs> it's, it's to have the, to create excellence, to co-create excellence, right? An excellent bond. Right, so going to the so this is why this is exactly why we, this this uh, this episode of the podcast is entitled the loving service side of mental toughness because it, this is actually this is mental toughness. Now a lot of times people just think that you know mental toughness is like you know like the football grunt you know or the Navy SEAL just do it anyway, <clears throat> embrace the suck, and that is a part. It's a cool part of mental toughness. It's a whole other world, a whole other side. Right. It's like, so when somebody asks me, in fact, I'm working on a piece right now, which is what is mental toughness? And, uh, you know, yeah, that's a part of it. But what else, the other part or, or a way of, of defining uh, mental toughness is simply reprogramming, going to the effort of reprogramming your habits and the way that you use your mind to maximize the probability of creating excellence. Mm-hmm. And that's not all grunty. That's, there's, mm-hmm. a lot of, no. right, there's a lot of grace in that. Yes. And what we're describing, in fact, our whole conversation today has been and will continue to be about the graceful side of mental toughness or creating excellence, right? And, 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 um, and really giving credence to love. You know, I don't remember where it was that I read this. Um, You talk about love and you said, I never really thought about, oh, oh, you took some uh, you took it yeah, in your own yeah, but, and your uh-huh. number one skill set, right? It was love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, so 
talk about that. Like, you know, I think a lot of business leaders would feel a little goofy, a little awkward, like talking about love in a team meeting. Yeah, I had a similar reaction when I read that because some of the other things that could have come up at the top, you know, were like, you know, creativity or, you know, other business things that might appear to be more, quote, business oriented. Yeah. But the fact is, I think of, of leaders who are just amazing at rallying people, you know, behind a cause. And it's because people sense that that leader genuinely deeply cares about them and their well-being. So I would consider that loving them. You know, the fact that you have a genuine interest in seeing them thrive. To me, that's love. And so if a leader, I think, you know, we just get this sex and love and, you know, some of the connotations around what does love really mean? When we think about, just having a genuine concern for the well-being of this other person, then when I'm working with them, if I have that as the thing that's driving me, then I am not going to get hung up on some small mistake they made or, you know, get, I'm going to be willing to give them the benefit of the doubt, assume the best, and look at how I can bring out the best in them. So to me, it's a it's a way of just approaching life where the goal, yes, is excellence. Yes, it's high performance, but I'm much more the, you know, give the person the carrot, give them the, the positives. Don't withhold from them something that could nurture and help them thrive. Okay, so I, I can already hear some voices. <laughs> Of some clients and not that way. <laughs> Excuse me, I need to go take my meds. The, uh, of like some clients who of mine or friends and colleagues, I'd be listening to this and th- and and maybe the skeptic part of them would be like, you know, why do we need this soft crap? You know, what can't people just you know buckle down and get their shit done like what about accountability all right are fine i'm gonna go practice loving them where's the accountability in that well accountability is a key aspect you know when you love someone it doesn't mean you're easy on them okay so think about a parent a parent that really loves their kid is not going to let them run around and rule the house they're they're establishing um uh expectations or agreements that's another discussion right this difference but the idea is there are agreements that you make about how people behave around here you know and what is expected as we come to work and so we can have very high standards around excellence i'm not suggesting that i'm really when you think about it it's more What's behind your approach to all this? Hmm. What's the attitude you're bringing? And if it's that you expect people to just get buckled down and do their jobs, they're going to sense that. And people are willing to go the extra mile when they know that you care about them. It's amazing what people are able to, you know, effective leaders are able to draw out of employees when those employees know this person takes time to have a conversation with me, you know, wants to learn more about what is my life like? Because just as an example, let's say somebody that's normally a really exemplary employee is in the customer service area. And one day you notice them snapping at a customer, you know, or not their normal way of handling a situation. Well, you've got some choices there about how you're going to handle that. Of course, you could ignore it, which won't address it. But you could go up to the person and say, what the heck were you thinking to do that? Which immediately puts the other person on the defensive, as opposed to saying, I noticed you said so-and-so to her, and that's not like you. You know, that's not how you normally handle this. Anything particular going on with you today? where you're 
asking them to open up and share. You know, they could have just learned of a death in the family. They could have a really sick child at home. We don't know. But it's that having that open mind and curiosity and not assuming the worst, you know, about somebody. But initially giving, being willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think we run into this in particular, Chris, when there may be an individual who we have, we might call a problem employee, you know, someone that we've had difficulties with in the past. And I think that's where this whole appreciation exercise and this reset comes into play where we think about, well, why are they working here in the first place? What are the values they have brought to us that I appreciate? And when's the last time I told them about that? If I've been jumping on this person on a regular basis, all I, all somebody that's listening needs to do is think about the difference in how it feels for you when someone approaches you in a way that they're simply curious to know what's going on versus jumping on you for making a mistake. A lot of leaders have never really had any formal training in how to lead and they lead the way they've been led. Yes. And a really popular approach to leadership is, you know, focusing on where you're falling short and, you know, like aggressive accountability and all that and, and not at all what you're describing. So, so when someone's got that leadership style, which a uh, more militaristic or dictator like, and it's just their style. They can be amazing humans, but for whatever reason, that's this, this style of leadership that they've practiced and they've never examined it to, or asked the question, um, is this the best way for me? They just never did that. They're just too busy being the way they've been being. So uh, how do you speak to someone like that and suggesting like a new approach? Because it's not like you can just switch or, or, or is it? Like could a leader who has that... <laughs> approach, you know, listen to this conversation, go, you know what, that's better. I'm going to do that from now on and then, and switch. It, you know, that kind of awareness and awakening could happen quickly. Uh, But knowing as I do how our brains have to rewire for new skills, it takes time and it takes practice. And one of the best ways um, a leader can find out how effective their current approach is, is to ask. And this can be done, you know, we're a a company that has a 360 degree software that allows people to anonymously contribute comments and ratings about somebody's performance that are observable, right? Um, And so there's that option. And depending on the level of trust, you could also simply sit down and have a conversation with people and, and ask a simple question. What's one thing I could do that would allow you to perform your job better? What's one thing I could do that would help you be the highest level performer possible? And I guarantee you there'd be some surprises in the answers because the blind spots that we have are the things that are the biggest surprise for us. When we first used our own tool in our own company, I got rated low about um, how I responded when people came into my office, because I'm one of these folks that if I'm really concentrating on something, I'm into it. And instead of closing my door or saying, do not disturb, you know, somebody would come in and I'd look up and kind of scowl at (laughs) not be very inviting in my response, right? And so when I realized that, I apologized to the group and said, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize I was doing that. And so let me know in the future if you see me exhibiting that behavior so I can make adjustments. But then I was also more conscious, you see, of letting people know, all right, I'm working on this project. I need two hours of prime time. Don't interrupt me unless it's an emergency. Mm-hmm. So it, it helped me learn where I wasn't being clear in my own communication. So I think asking people in whatever form that takes, because our own self-awareness 
when we're causing problems for others is limited. Yeah. Yes. Right. There's, and I remember in, in psychology when I was uh, in graduate school, we, we learned about this thing called the Johari window experience. Mm-hmm. Are you exactly. familiar with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that's what it is. It's, it's such a blind spots. It's like the way we yep. perceive ourselves is almost never <laughs> accurate yeah. or matching with the way the world perceives us. Yes. And, and, and that and, area where we don't know, but others do is the one that the most challenging for us, because when we yeah. know we already do something, you know, then that is, um, something we know we could work on, but if we don't even know we're doing it, and I'll give you a a good example. One of my business partners, Denny, this has been years ago, he had this habit, and he was former military, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, He had this habit of of finishing sentences or interrupting, and it was annoying for Paula and me because he didn't always know what we were gonna say, right? But that impatience, let's get on with it, let's move along. So we addressed that with him and we came up with some ways to be supportive. And I think this is a really important element is not just, you know, telling somebody and giving them feedback and then kind of watching to see, do they follow through or not? So we came up with two things. One was if we were in an in-person meeting, we would just hold up our hand. And that was his signal that he was interrupting and to be quiet. The other one, if we were on a phone call, we would just say, if he started to interrupt, we'd say, please let me finish. Meredith, was this in a great, here I'm interrupting you on a story about teaching people to stop interrupting. (laughs) The the irony, (laughs) this interruption comes in service to the audience. Did you guys agree? Did he get in agreement with you that that was? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we came up with this with him. Okay, gotcha. Of how we could support his effort to change this habit. Gotcha. So those were the two things we did. And we didn't say, please let me finish. You know, it was that whole tone of being supportive and just as a kind of a gentle reminder. And so I think that's a There's a huge distinction there. Yeah. Okay, going back to the, the going back to the title of this podcast episode, the word service is in there, right? The title of this podcast, the loving service side of mental toughness. So, like you saying, going like this, or saying, "Please, please let me finish," like with that kind of intonation, right? Please let me finish. You're, you're actually, you know, you're multitasking. I think if I'm getting this correctly, um, you're communicating one, but you're also serving him. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you know you're making him better. You're making him, you're helping him evolve into a better listener. And that's like a, that's a delete like, that's a gift. That's in service. Now, this feels like a really important time to reiterate that the, 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 the well, I'm going to put this in a question form for you. You're the guest. Uh, what is the incentive? What, do, what, what would you say is the number one incentive behind any of this? Like, what would, what's your incentive, your primary incentive in going to the effort of making an agreement, okay? And then, like, when you're on the phone, is actively adjusting your intonation so you're not saying, would you let me finish for God's sake? Instead, you know, hey, you know, Please let me finish. Well, why do that? Probably the the global thing, the overarching reason is I really want to help make the world a better place because there is so much pain and suffering that we bring on ourselves or we allow to happen because we contribute to it. (laughs) And so I want to do my part to not contribute and add more pain. Good. Yay. And, and to help, uh, it goes back to my purpose, you know, to help people appreciate their value and then they can maximize who they are because they've appreciated their value. So if I'm rude to somebody, that is the antithesis of, of what I'm really all about and what I want to accomplish. I love that. Couldn't love it more. So that's the overarching. Now, what would you say is the, the driver then 
more in the moment, like with respect to this, the interaction, that group of people. More, uh, more efficient interactions. More, uh, so efficiency. Right? You know, so being able to accomplish what it is we're trying, so getting the right results. That's it. I love that. What's going to help us? What's going to help us get the results we want? So it's not about, this isn't, so this, the reason I want to reiterate this, Meredith, is because I think a lot of people, because of their conditioning, right, and and how, what they've learned to believe is true about getting the most out of people, like, doesn't include, like, well, they call this, like, the soft skills, which, which I, I don't, I don't like that that's called that, okay? I I think that's pretty weak as a bad nickname, you know, because it's, it's sort of like making fun of it. Right when when this is critical to bottom line, yes, the results. Yep, it's not like we're trying to be Gandhi. We're not trying to emulate Mother Teresa over here. We're trying to get shit done, and this is just the way it works. Like better. Well, think about it. If you are, uh, you know, if we had not addressed this with him. And so if other people are sitting there listening and they're thinking of this one person that drives them crazy and they're not addressing the issue with that person, guess what that makes these communication skills, hard skills, because why the heck aren't you doing it? You know, if it's a soft skill, why aren't you addressing this instead of (laughs) jumping on the person? I love it. You know, and so, in fact, I read an article, Chris, it's been a number of years ago, so I don't remember where it was, but the number one regret a lot of CEOs reported was not giving people feedback soon enough. It was allowing problems to fester and hope they would solve themselves or go away. And instead, if they had addressed it more quickly, it could have gotten resolved more quickly. Yeah. So what I'm talking about here is, you know, the underlying attitude in approaching talking to someone, whether it's, you know, inspiring them to the highest level of performance or, you know, kicking them in the butt because they um, aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. There are ways to address those issues that, that cause the person to still feel valued and not criticized or demoralized or, or resentful. See, when we don't handle situations well, I want you to think about the negative emotions that people have associated with that. If you put somebody down in front of other people as an example, they're gonna stop listening, they're gonna stop respecting, you, you do a lot of damage to the relationship that impacts performance. So if you want to get, you know, really practical, there's a very pragmatic reason yeah, for right. treating people in a way that helps them feel valued. You said it, um, people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. Yes. Right? So the incentive... If you want to, want to be an amazing leader, you want to get results, then that, this is, that's the incentive. That's it, to, to, to become an amazing listener and, and, uh, and to coach. Right, let's talk about coaching because that's something you speak a lot of. And I'm really glad I've got it even marked here. I've studied your book. This is one. This, just, this is actually pretty fresh. You've got two books that are like fresh on, on the market. I got, to take, I got to take all my notes off so we can even see. <laughs> I'm gonna, these are my, the notes are, by the way, I, I've been um, hired to, to record a video. I'm going to participate with a group of uh, professionals who are recording videos and they're going to put them together to like a video collection that's then going to be a gift for their, for their customers. And um, I'm, this is a training guide for me in preparation for that video. Oh, good. Well, here's mine without this. Okay, good. <laughs> strong for performance. Perfect, perfect. Strong for performance. I don't know if you noticed, by the way, but it's also over here on my whiteboard. Thank you. Yes, yeah, yeah, I see yeah. that. Strong for performance. Subtitled, create a coaching culture with learning and development programs that stick. Now, I love this. Uh, create a coaching, a coaching culture. Okay, so that's that's – this is really exciting for me, okay? Uh, a coaching culture, what is that? All right, think of it of creating an environment where people are willing to be honest with each other, 
And that means they want to support each other in their development, in their work. And they're also, there's a level of trust and respect that they're willing to give feedback when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And so it's really not relying on the boss to, or the manager to say, you are, you know, are really good at this or you need to do that because these folks that work with each other on a regular basis are the ones that really see each other's work you know, con- continuously. And so it is, it doesn't serve the organization very well if only the manager or director or the executive is the one who is responsible for coaching others. This is huge. This is going to, you're changing the way I'm, I'm coaching. Cool. This is why I'm so excited about this. This is huge. Well, and, and I think one of the key things for people to understand too, Chris, related to coaching yeah. is not to think of this as something extra that I've got to now take on. Mm. It's a way of being mm. with each other. Mm. So it involves just like a good coach, you know, asking questions so people can start thinking for themselves and analyze. And let's just say somebody made a mistake. Well, and, and maybe they even lost a customer. And so rather than saying, you know, lecturing them or criticizing or jumping all over them, to take the approach of, well, let me help them draw the lessons from this by asking some questions that will help them think about it. So they're not relying on me to give all the answers. It's this whole thing of creating an empowered workforce. I couldn't love that more. You know, in, in my coaching circles like with friends, you know, co- who are fellow coaches, we'll just be, we'll just be hanging out in life and we'll, you know, I'll say something and they'll say, are you open to some coaching on that? <laughs> right? Which is, which is cool because cause you could say, not now, I'm watching a baseball game. Or say, yeah, totally, yeah. But it's peers, peer coaching. And, and, I, and I'm, as you're speaking, I'm visualizing that. So, I mean, that's what we're talking about, right? It's like peers. Like, it's not just exactly. coming from top down. It's mm-hmm. horizontal, you know? Like that, so, it's, it's the norm in our culture that we, A, understand the unbelievable value of coaching. B, are so committed to excellence that we're going to integrate it. But, and C, have agreements with each other that we're all coaches to each other. Yes. Yeah. It's a, it's a different, you know, approach. It's a different attitude because the reality is it's a very uh, different approach. An organization can only hire so many external coaches and even internally you have a, a certain number of people that might get certified and can serve certain folks, but it very rarely trickles down to, you know, the frontline employees. Um, who are doing the work, and yet they need that kind of, of coaching. So how would you begin the integration process of this new approach to a, creating a coaching culture? Well, that's interesting because um, in the book, you notice maybe I have a roadmap set out, and the first thing is identifying what is it that we need to do to elevate the skills around here. You know, what is it that people don't know how to do? And then once we identify that, we provide the training, the development programs that address those shortfalls. And so the third step. um, No, it's actually a diagram. on. uh, Let's see. On page 87. Looks like this. Oh yeah, of course. I saw. I also. You also have that in uh, one of your videos on your website. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so the third phase is what's usually missing, and that's where the subtitle comes from: to make learning and development programs stick. Too often, companies send people to a training class and then expect, voila, they're transformed <laughs> when they go back to their jobs. But the reality of what happens is people have already had hardwired for years their way of doing things. And so what's missing is the follow-up in the form of, 
you know, giving them an opportunity to practice it, get feedback, get coaching. So all of those elements are really important if you truly want the performance to improve. So it's a combination of things. For example, if right now people have never had basic training on listening skills, you know, or asking questions, it's hard to coach someone if you don't know how to listen. <laughs> because coaching is not talking, right? It's not expounding on different things. It's, it's asking questions, learning. You might be guiding people, but it's having that curious, open mindset. And yeah. people don't know that upfront. They've acquired stuff over the years by trial and error. I love the part, chapter seven, um, which is why coaching is essential, but you start it with what coaching is not, mm -hmm. right? Like coaching isn't mentoring. It's not counseling. It's not counseling. It's not, and I know that because I'm, I was a counselor. I know you were. You know, I have a question for you that has to do with that unbelievable statistic, which is that 90% um, of the billions that are spent each year is just wasted because it doesn't stick in training, right? In yes. corporate. Now, is that, is that, it's 150, the stat was $150 billion are spent a year. Is that globally? You know, that, I like, think that was, I think that was the United States. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my yeah. It's staggering. <laughs> That's it's staggering. That is absurd. like, think about that first 150 b billion dollars, 90%. So that's 400. So whatever the math is on that 90% of that gone. Yeah. Gone. Cause it doesn't stick because there's no follow-up because it's not a system. Right. It's like a motivational speech. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. and this is something that, you know, too often people it, it's not that they're trying to do it wrong. It's that, that, that they don't realize this aspect of it. Often people think, you know, we're going to pay top dollar to bring in this speaker and this is going to really get people excited and it can get them excited for a short period of time. But because of the way our brains are hardwired, we are, I like using this analogy of, uh, of a road. Okay, where our current way of doing this is sort of like a path we take driving to work every day. We take this, so we don't have to think about it. It's automatic. We've got this insulation that goes around the um, brain cells that just makes it so quick and easy to do it. So when we decide, all right, I'm going to do something different, it's like all of a sudden we turned onto a dirt road. And that ride is bumpy <laughs> when we try to get going because it's not our way of doing it. Yeah. And so when we just get introduced to a skill, that's just the beginning. It is not the beginning, middle and end. It is the beginning. And what it requires is commitment to continue practicing that, getting ongoing feedback to find out how am I doing? And Marshall Goldsmith has a great term for this. He calls it feed forward, Sorry, where feed? you ask feed forward, as opposed to feedback about what's happening oh, in the gotcha, past. Gotcha. He recommends saying to somebody, you know, I'm working on my listening. What's one thing or one or two suggestions you could give me for how I can improve? That's so you're, you're finding out on a regular basis, am I hitting the mark yet or do I still have a ways to go? And that's an important element. And knowing that I'm supported in this Be is forward. also a key element. I love that. Feed forward. So, so it's the proactive approach to getting feedback. Exactly. It's finding out what do people want from me. And if, you know, if a leader takes one thing from this and starts doing that one thing and asking say the five or six people that individual interacts with on a regular basis or the most, just say, what is one thing you'd like me to do more of or less of that will help you be more effective in your work? It, and then be willing to say, okay, I'm willing to try that. 
and or at so least, that you don't you. want to make it a wasted thank exercise. Thank you. I will reflect on that. I can still, as you're saying that, you know, I can still, I can hear the same voices, <laughs> you know, where there's maybe some fear. And it's like, that is, that actually, maybe not even fear. Some people might be afraid of what they're going to hear, but other, other leaders would be, that's a sign of weakness. Right? Yes, I've that, heard that, that minimizes too. my authority to go say, hey, what can I like? I can't imagine Marcus Aurelius going to his troops and saying, how can I lead you better? Although he probably did. Well, here's the thing, Chris. I love that you brought that up because this is a common objection. And the, the truth is the opposite is the reality. People respect you more when you are willing to acknowledge I'm not perfect. Because if you carry that expectation that nobody around here better make a mistake, they feel that. And there's fear. People are motivated by the wrong things when there is that kind of an atmosphere. Mm. And that's why I talk about a coaching culture, because it's an, it's an environment that gets created where people feel they can thrive. In other words, if you're wanting to create a workplace where people are scared of taking a risk of any kind, then jump on them when they do something wrong. Right. Whereas if you truly want to bring out the best, see again, we're talking about results, high performance. What do you have to do in order to create that safe place for people to thrive? And a key element of that is being willing to be honest yourself and say, I'm not perfect. I know I'm not perfect. So what is it I'm doing that's getting in your way? And at first, if they've never done anything like that, people might be reluctant to be honest. It's like, uh, what if I tell the truth? <laughs> but if the leader makes it safe for people to be honest, and this is really important, and actually thanks them. And even, here's another thing that people sometimes see as weakness, even apologizes for that. Gosh, I am sorry. I did not realize that I was creating that kind of challenge for you. It is huge. You can almost see people go, oh, uh -huh. because the leader is finally acknowledging what everybody already knows. See, that's the thing. Somebody's afraid of being weak and people already know what the issues are. They just haven't had the courage to tell that individual because of whatever barriers have been created. Mm, this is huge. To me, it ties right back into your mental toughness. Are you mentally tough enough to ask that question of the people who work for you? Or are you scared? You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm serious. No, I love this. You just, you just gave me an idea for a phenomenal new blog post. Are you create? Are you mentally tough enough? Well, think about it. What are they afraid of? Because they can say, "Oh, as the leader, I I don't right. want to have to hear this." But the reality is, underneath, there's a fear of being found out. Yep. That they're not as strong, they're not as smart, or whatever. See, they judge themselves. When when people are intolerant of others. It really goes back to what is it about myself that I'm not accepting or forgiving? Um, I, I just think that that is such a key element in leadership is recognizing, of course, I'm human. Everybody's human. I'm going to make mistakes. Others make mistakes. It's not the end of the world when I do. They're not judging me. It, it has, it goes back to this whole thing of how is this serving others or either serving, even serving me if I behave in this particular way? You know, and in, and in the context of like peak performance, I'm feeling like as I'm listening to you and I'm visualizing myself being in a leadership role and, and presenting as, right, holding up the image, fortifying you know, the facade, that's a lot of work. So, so as, like I'm pretending I'm being coached by you and I'm feeling like, oh, this whole leadership thing can even be, can be a lot easier if I'm more transparent. Like I don't have to work so hard at all this looking like shit, showing up as, presenting as. 
Right? I can be authentic and I can be vulnerable. It's like Brene Brown stuff. Mm-hmm. Being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Wow, this is so good. I am, I, am, I am a better coach and a better leader right now because of this conversation, Meredith. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to hear that. No, good. It's, that helps me fulfill my purpose for the day. <laughs> winning. Because honestly, what I do, you know, before I have a conversation or even an interview like this, I'm really focused on how can I best be of service in what's coming up. And that helps me not think about, oh, am I saying this right? Or how am I going to coming across? It's looking at what am I picking up from you that will be beneficial for you? And in this case, your listeners that will serve them. And I really hope, you know, some of the things we've talked about are, are, truly challenge them. And I want to mention too, you were talking about my books. I wanted to just mention yes. this other new book that you don't have a copy of yet called yet being with your Team Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills. And we wrote this book, Denny and I wrote this book together. It covers things like listening, giving constructive feedback in a way that helps a person still feel valued, even though you're having to point out something they did that didn't go well. You know, how to engage in dialogue as an example. And I'll give you a very practical um, example of someone who used one of our programs. She was one of these folks, she was a manager. She had not had any leadership development in over 10 years. I mean, they just didn't have the budget. She was with a state agency. And so she was doing the best she could, but she had this team of supervisors and one of the supervisors bugged the heck out of her. She saw this guy as a real complainer. And so every time he came to talk to her, she was dismissive. She wanted to get him out of her office as quick as she could because not only did he bug her, she had all these things on her plate. And it was really creating problems for her in terms of the productivity of the office. So she went through this program where we teach people, you know, how to engage in dialogue, how to listen better. And so she decided this one day that she was going to adopt that attitude. And she allowed him to speak. She kept an open mind so she could really hear what he was saying. And he was expressing a concern about a situation where she had made a decision and had been adamant about sticking with it. But because she opened her mind and listened that day and did ask questions to learn more about what was behind the concern, what was really happening as a result of things going this way, not that way, she learned some things and she changed her mind. And that individual, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, she's really capable of changing. Mm. And she not only did that, she went out to the rest of the team and explained that she was changing her mind about this and why. And so it elevated this guy that had had the, you know, courage to be honest with her. And she started being this way with other people. And it just changed the whole feel of the place. Mm. And people were more enthusiastic about their work as they felt heard, accepted. And so it's all integrated. You, you know, we think, okay, I need to be this way. But what impact is that having on not just one individual, but the whole team? Because it is a ripple effect that happens. Yeah. So what am I willing to do differently? Here's the good question for folks. What am I willing to do differently? And the first thing may simply be asking, what do you need from me that you're not getting now? Brilliant. Wow. <clears throat> Beautiful. That's, there's a lot there. We just covered, you just covered a lot. Let's talk about where people can learn about. You mentioned that you have, we talked about your books and I'll make sure I put the Amazon links. So that one you just held up. Can you hold that, hold that up yes. again? That's hot off the press. Yes. Which is why yes. I don't even have it. Cause it's like out like now, I mean, like burning your hand hot off yes, the press. Yes, that's right. And what's beautiful about this book is we really give the how to's for every one of these skills. So you don't have to wonder 
what does that look like? We even give some scenarios of this person says this and that person says that and realistic dialogues to give an example of what would this look like in action when people are doing this, trying to resolve a conflict, having dialogue, even giving positive feedback because that's not done enough. We have a whole chapter of that on expressing appreciation. And by the way, Ken Blanchard read this and gave us a great quote. And he said, my favorite sections are about offering encouragement and expressing appreciation. Actions I like to call catching people doing things right. Yeah. Isn't he the That's guy all that part of what people call soft skills. But yeah. you see a, yeah. a person like Ken Blanchard that's been around the block multiple times knows how much that counts to having people yeah. feel valued and wanting to give their best. I've read a lot of his stuff. Isn't he the author of uh, Raving Fans? Mm-hmm. Among, all, among many others. Yeah. One Minute Manager. Yeah. Yep. So you also have, so the, okay, so then the other book is Strong for Performance, which also happens to be the name of your podcast. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. And um, your website? Is growstrongleaders.com. That's cool. That's a cool uh, URL. That's really cool. Thank you. You must have been excited to get that. We were. I we bet. were because we kept thinking, you know, what are we about and we've always been about and that's why i love your mental toughness and this whole thing of being strong and that's why you know one of our products is called strong for performance because we help people with getting that practice around the interpersonal skills along with what we call core strengths which are things like perseverance and composure you know sort of the two aspects of emotional intelligence you know, the self-management, managing yourself, and then how you interact with other and manage your emotions around others. But these are things that we don't get taught in school, unfortunately, and people pick up bad yeah. habits that don't serve them well. So this, so strong for performance, what is that? So is that, is that an online? It's an online, yeah. We call it an online coaching and development tool. It's Great. a one-year subscription. Oh, that cool. people can log into. And typically what happens is an organization or a coach or consultant buys a dashboard and then sets up these subscriptions for folks. So it's a, the dashboard's a way of managing the back end. Gotcha. And then the other one is 2020 Insight Gold. That's the yes. 360. By the way, for people that, that because we referenced this a, a couple times during the conversation, but we didn't elaborate on what that means. Could you just quickly give me a definition? What does 360, it means 360 degree feedback. What is yeah. that? It originally uh, started by getting a, a manager or a leader getting input from their, their own boss, peers, and direct reports. So basically getting a full spectrum of feedback from people who know your performance. And it's behavior-based. So it's have they observed you doing A, B, or C, and how well? So usually it's, um, you know, rating people on a scale from one to five or one to 10 on certain behaviors that the organization has said, these are important for our leaders or our employees, whoever's being the recipient of the feedback. Obviously, if it's a, an, a, an employee, it's not 360 typically because they've got peers and boss, but no direct report. So, but the idea is finding out what others see as your strengths and what others would like to see you make improvements in. And it's typically done autom- uh, um, through an automation tool where questionnaires are sent out online, the data is collected, and then a report is generated, which aggregates all the data anonymously. So the person finds out what are the areas that I ranked strongest in, where do I need to improve? And good 360s allow for comments too. So people give qualitative feedback, not just a rating. Now, and so for folks that are listening, they're interested in exploring these products, they can get them at growstrongleaders.com. Mm-hmm. I'd welcome a conversation with people around them just to find out what's currently happening in their organizations. Yeah, and they can do that easily because there's a button, there's a call to action on your website which says, let's have a chat. Or schedule something. a call. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, schedule a call. Great. Uh, now, as far as social media, where can people stalk you? 
I'm on LinkedIn the most. Mm -hmm. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Okay. I will make sure to put the, uh, those links in the show notes. Meredith Bell, thank you so much for this. It has been an incredibly robust and valuable learning experience for me. And I hope that it was as valuable for everybody that had the privilege of being able to experience you and your wisdom and your love. Thank you, Chris. It's been just awesome to be a part of your world here today and also just to have you as a part of my life, I hope going forward. I just want to say how much I value you and the work that you're doing in the world because to me, you are living this yourself in the way you seek to serve and just provide immense value to other people. So thank you. That's beautiful. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Meredith. Thank you. Soft skills my ass. <laughs> That's so great. Are you, she gave me this great idea for, for a blog post. Are you even mentally tough enough to ask for feedback? Are you even tough enough? To get some 360, get you some. Man, that was great. And feed forward, right? Feed forward as opposed to feedback. Being, I mean, that's just true. That's servant leadership, right? Is knowing that the best way to serve is, and that, that's a term that, that Meredith reminded me of. I mean, I've heard it before, but I haven't used it in forever, and, but I'm going to. Servant leadership is leading through serving. That's some pretty significant paradigm shifts there, you know, like from like old school leadership styles um, to, well, the smarter ones, right? So uh, I can't wait to get her next book, uh, and um, which is connect with your team. Put all that, all her links and whatnot in the show notes here. I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. And as always, if you're not on my list, that's that's an issue that we would like to resolve right quick. Okay, and here's how we do that. If you're not getting the, if you're not getting my daily dose every morning at 6 a.m., if you're not getting uh, notifications of these, then this is where you need to go. ChristopherDoris.com backslash lists l i s t s email name email click bam problem solved. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in. To tough talks until next time. Great miracles.